2: Save the Queen. Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. And it is the episode after the interview before. So, the Oprah interview that everybody was talking about anticipating it has happened. And I think it is fair to say that it is even bigger than anyone expected. Before we get stuck, into that. Quickly in other news, uh, since the show last week, an investigation has been launched at Kesinger Palace into the bullying claims and the way that they were handled. Megan's friends circled around sharing positive stories about her on social media, although one of them did unhelpfully share a photo of Archie, where the Sussexes quickly snapped up the copyright to it to prevent it being used further. Megan won her copyright claim against the Mail on Sunday, who are going to have to publish a front page statement apologising. The royal family continue to visit vaccination centres. Prince Philip is back in the private Edward VII hospital to continue his recuperation. Prince Andrew still hasn't spoken to the FBI. And thank you to all of the listeners who got in touch and let me know other royals who are at or have been in the past at... Atlantic College. But we're not talking about any of that week that this week because we need to talk about Megan and Harry's interview with Oprah Winfrey. I am your host, Anne Gripper. I have been joined by Daily Mirror Royal editor Russell Myers, who has been somewhat busy this week. He worked he's telling me he worked forty one hours straight because he watched the interview in America, then he watched it in the UK and didn't manage to sleep in between. So Russell, try and stay we- stay awake for the show. But um great to have you with us. How Hello. Are you?
1: I'm very well. I'm very very well. I am. I'm, I'm, it, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm full of adrenaline. we It's. It's not going to die down in time soon. This story. So need to. And this, I need to get some coffee because Mrs. Myers can't have caffeine. So there's no caffeine in the house. I've well, been abandoned.
2: You are allowed to go to the shops yourself, Russell. When I when, have when I'm not commits. The, the, the
1: The Daily Mirror uh, bosses have had me change the desk for the past few few hours.
2: Has this been the busiest week yet of a mad time in Royal reporting for
1: you? You know what? It's not just even been a week. This has been, I'm into my fourth week um, because what what, what do we have? We had baby announcement. Then we had Oprah leak. Then we had uh, Philip going into hospital. Then we've had uh, more Philip, more uh, controversy. Oh, Sussex's divorce statement. Then we had Oprah uh, not divorcing trailers. each
2: other, not just divorcing from the firm. each
1: other, just to clarify, just to divorce from the firm. So then that was all pretty controversial. Loads of statements coming out, then bullying accusations, statement about bullying uh, investigation, then the trailers, then the actual events. and so I I don't I don't, I don't know where I am.
2: It shows no sign of stopping either. And we're also delighted to have with us again, Sarah Bradbury, um, style queen and friend of the show and accomplished royal watcher now, who just loves all of, uh, to see what is going on. So Sarah, thank you for joining us as well.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: So, so far, the audience in the UK peaked at 12 million. In the US, it was about 17 million, I believe, and about 50 million people have watched worldwide so far, which to be honest, I'm slightly surprised it's not... Slightly higher. However, there have been absolutely acres of newspaper and online coverage. We are recording this Wednesday lunchtime. So, yesterday, Tuesday, came the statement from the palace, which I can read in full. Harder to read the interview in full, but I'm sure you'll all have watched that. You're probably um, well aware of the statement as well. But I think it's worth reading it because, you know, there are very few words in it, but they are clearly. Carefully chosen. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much loved family members. And that was a statement issued by Buckingham Palace on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. So the top, top lady. Now, quickly, before we all get stuck in with our opinions, I'm going to share a few of yours that you sent in in response to the Insta story. There were lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. I'm, so, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to read all of them, but I'll try to give it a reasonable flavor of the kinds of messages that we have so the royal watcher says neither harry Meghan, or oprah have any clue how the monarchy works hagen kate says the palace defends andrew but stays mum on racist attacks and strips harry of security Taywall: the palace and media played megan against one another M Forever 2020 is behind the scenes even worse than we imagined how ugly is the firm Amker Molson says and as an American, a person fascinated with the royal family, team Kate, hands up. Uh, Smith, Susan Stewart, did not enjoy Meghan and Harry playing the victim, coy half stories and Oprah's softballs. Leslie Heinrich, more questions than answers. Um, Indecisive Girl says how the topic of Archie having the title of prince was so badly handled. Charlotte Jane Hen- Henry was disgusted and dismayed, not clear whether it was by the interview itself and the details being shared or the detail of what was being shared and that that was disgusting um sham reed i need clarification on the title of prince was it offered to archie was there ever protection for him um dana marie oh my god i am stunned sad and just feel so bad for everyone uh jmac prov 169 it feels like Meghan never understood how titles and royal expectations work how could no one offer help or mental health support to megan that seems very Odds. um talk about history re- repeating itself says mike vc with some exploding head emojis amy e tucker so much i was surprised to learn things are so bad with charles and william uh makes me very sad says Adrienne rutherford um so on and on, various different things. Some people in favour of the Sussexes, some people against. Um, Courtney, who got in touch from Australia, said, my personal opinion is that there are always three sides to every story. In this case, Harry and Meghan's The Firm, and somewhere between that is the truth. So, Russell, you've seen this interview twice now I
1: have. And, and talked and about it for
2: days. Yeah. What, what are the bits that have really sort of... Which are the bits that jumped out at you immediately, and then which are the bits that are kind of stuck with you now, a few days on, that have really sort of, oh yes, that really is the the heart of it.
1: Well, I think there's you know three three main claims, I suppose, and uh, you've got the claim of racism, which will has undoubtedly. Um, become a huge huge focal point of of the interview because it was just so shocking i just cannot get oprah winfrey's reaction you know the camera pans to her and she's like what and it was really shocking i mean my, my jaw was on the floor for the whole two hours watching it uh, live i'm no less stunned having watched it several times and you know again, fully and and loads of other clips, but this this allegation that a senior member of the royal family had a conversation with Harry uh, and commented about how dark their unborn child's skin would be, I think is absolutely extraordinary. And um, we don't know the context, but I'm not too sure whether now, even if the context was explained, uh, that it matters because there's been such a, a level of revulsion about that um, and regardless of whether you know like Thomas Markle said when he was interviewed on Good Morning Britain yesterday that it may have been a dumb statement I mean I don't like that phrase anyway but let's stupid just say question, a, a stupid I think he question it. he did say dumb statement as well but he, he also I mean he made the point of you know maybe it was clumsy maybe it's a, a, a foolish clumsy statement to have made but I don't really buy that because I think that um, if Harry and Meghan were that aggrieved by it. And they knew um, what attention that would bring by telling a global TV program um, about that, Aliga, about, about the, the, the statement that was made to them. They knew what that attention would bring. Um, so they obviously feel very, very upset about it. And I think that really, really relates to the come to the Queen's statement later. But it, as you mentioned about um, recollections may vary that's going to be very very interesting to see how that is dealt with because if that does become an issue and harry and meghan either don't get an apology uh, privately or they are not satisfied with the way that that internal investigation if we call it that uh, goes then they'll i've no doubt that they'll hit the nuclear button again they'll be straight on the phone to oprah or gail king and they'll be doing more interviews this is definitely not you know one one they've had their say and that's it now they will definitely keep on talking to the media um, if they feel that that's the only way to get their voice heard. The other claim that I think was absolutely breathtaking is, uh, is Megan talking about how she felt suicidal. She said um, she was five months pregnant and her mental health was at such a deteriorated state that uh, she asked a family member for help uh, and that she, th- she felt that she needed to be hospitalized. Also, she said she felt she couldn't be left alone And I don't want to live anymore. And when you're hearing a young, vulnerable woman who is five months pregnant, uh, regardless of your opinion of Meghan Markle or Harry or Meghan or any of the royal family, when somebody is saying that in such a public way, I think uh, we've all got to take a step back a little bit and um, and, and realise how on earth it came to this position and um, and how desperate she must have been feeling so there will be definitely questions to be answered um, within the palace I don't agree with the fact that this should be all handled in-house because you know we, we had a, a very public statement from Buckingham Palace just last week on the bullying allegations surrounding Meghan. they publicly stated that there would be uh, an investigation about the hr practices and about the workings of the palace and um at some stage they would let it be known um you know the workings of that investigation so how on earth can that not happen if a, a member of staff or a member of the royal family made a uh, a claim of um their mental health being so, such a bad state that they needed to, to be hospitalized Then i think that um you know we we need to understand the inner workings of the palace
2: so I totally agree with you that those were the two absolutely most shocking elements and I think so on the on the on the mental health aspect and the, and also the statement that you're talking about I think they almost need to revisit their whole HR structure which is sort of what Megan was saying she used to be at a union when she was an actress she had access to sort of um an advocate on her behalf whereas in the firm you've got the principals you've got the people who are the royals and then you've got the people who Work for them. And it seems like the HR department is the people that work for them. And maybe that's why they felt the statement had to be a bit more public and it's an actual proper investigation. Whereas this is stuff they feel at the moment, which is stuff that affects the family much more. And the, the family ultimately aren't currently governed presumably by an hr department they're just the queen is just the boss i mean she did fire her own son essentially from his from his job prince andrew after he'd given that newsnight interview but it's it operates in a in a different way but so on the on the mental health front it's absolutely undercuts everything that William and Harry and Kate have been working on over the last sort of five years with heads together and, and everything else that they've, they've got. And, you know, who, we don't know who exactly Megan took that to and who it was that said no. And that they felt that no was the answer and that there was no other route, like that they didn't have a route. I, I think it's interesting that sort of feeling of, Powerlessness within this institution because I don't know, and Harry whether he sort of felt a bit guilty that he hadn't spoken up more or been more demanding that actually no she really does need help we need to sort this out I don't care what you say I'm fixing this and if you don't sort it out I'm gonna whatever drive her to the priory or drive her to the psychotherapist myself and I th- I think also that was an interesting like nuance in what she said that she wanted to she wanted to get out and check in somewhere else which is what we see celebrities do sometimes you know if they're struggling they will they will take themselves out of the place you know Priory is kind of the the most famous um, sort of celebrity centre where people go for support really but that's not the only way that you can get help and it sounds like she possibly access to kind of an individual via the sort of the princess Diana connection and, and friendship later on. But it, that I, th- I thought that was kind of an interesting, that that was the response to kind of get out of the place as the way through it. But if you are feeling trapped in that place, then maybe you do, feel, you do feel that is the only only way. And clearly to be in that stage where she's telling her husband she doesn't want to live anymore, then she was in desperate, desperate need of help and that they weren't able to access that help or didn't feel able to access that help is absolutely a huge failing um on the on the race point and again to a certain extent like you said it's hard to even engage around that question because everything about it is so loaded but um rhoda from norway was one of the people who got in touch and sort of said there was even that um what's the word contradiction within the interview itself as to whether it was i think harry said that it was right at the beginning of his relationship with megan so this is like idol idol is it idle chatter and a stupid question or is it like i have deep concerns and why are you bringing a mixed race person into the royal family where one so you know one is like gauche and crass and somebody who's not used to dealing with a situation versus someone who has a deep-rooted problem and sees that you know we can't we we cannot have somebody who is non-white giving us future non-white children who are part of the royal family um and it is it is deeply difficult. And I think it's that allegation in some ways is even more damaging because it was anonymized. We only know it wasn't the Queen, it wasn't Prince Philip. Um I mean the fact that they said it is um you know, if we won't say because it would be deeply damaging, you did kind of think it's probably not gonna be Prince Philip because he said so many ridiculous things over the course of his life, um, you know, which now, if, if he said them now, there would be an absolute storm about them. But at the time they were of their time and he is a man of his generation and probably quite hard to change a lifetime of absolutely putting your foot in it at the age of 99. But not knowing who this person is, it sort of damns the whole family, which I think is is quite challenging the other thing that I thought that aside from those two points which was quite sort of damaging to them as a family was Prince Harry saying Charles stop taking my calls as a sort of a basic human level you're on the other side of the world you're desperately trying to figure out your life your future you felt like your family is under threat and that you've had to escape and you're phoning your dad to try and figure it all out and how to take it forward and to say that you know my dad stopped taking my calls a like that's a very sort of emotive thing to have happen and not like not something i can even begin to comprehend you know the sort of what a family relationship is like when when that happens but but for him then to share that in public, as um, as a couple of people kind of said, like this interview, they blew up their bridges on the way out. Essentially, um, there was no a lot of these things. There is almost no going back from. And they talked about wanting to heal things, but they've poured some petrol on the fire and rubbed some salt into the wounds. <laughs> they first. have,
1: yeah. I mean, and 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 I think that you look at the Queen's statement, and uh, that's why they took so long you know, it took two days to actually respond to it. And I think that was the, the, the wise choice. Certainly experience uh, paid dividends in this instance, because the queen didn't want to pour petrol on the fire. Um, we understand there was a statement that had been prepared and that she wasn't prepared to sign off on it. Um, and I think that that was a wise choice because I had said initially, I did, I, you know, when we were having our meetings on Monday, would we, well, we we're going to get an, well, we we're going to get a reaction. And I, and I, said, my call was, I think, I think they'll wait until the British public have seen it. Because what's the point of putting out a statement? I mean, it was on at one in the morning till three in the morning. People were only seeing the commentary around it. And it's easy to get uh, caught up in the whole media storm of it. But another 12 million people saw it in Britain. No doubt, other, you know, many more millions will have seen it on clips or read the commentary or uh, watched it on catch up. And they were right to, um, to, to to take their foot off the gas a little bit and try and um, you know, to try and calm everyone's tensions. And I think that, that the statement does do that. Uh, it's I mean it's only sixty odd words long, isn't it? And it's um, perhaps in its briefness that that was the genius of it. Um, however, I don't, I don't, I still don't think it settles the matter. I mean, the, the matter is still, uh, you know, there's there's so many strands to this interview. We could be talking about it all week. Uh, it was it almost seems like the claims of the family being perpetuating falsehoods, and we 've almost forgotten about them because, and that was shocking at the time when we were seeing those clips but uh there's there 's just so many strands to it, and I think we need to be able to pick it apart. The family obviously wants to discuss many many of the issues um, in the interview about their feelings, some of which they have wrong, not necessarily recollections may vary, but the you know the issues around title and security and um megan being abandoned that that she said i mean i have always spoken to people not only in the palaces not only connected to you know the royals themselves but would would really vigorously dispute the fact that megan was abandoned she wasn't helped um but as oprah winfrey put it it's their truth and that that was their opportunity to put on the record of how they felt, I'm only saying that I think when they're all sat round the table, um, that whole concept of recollections may vary. will will be will become apparent because they will have to get their view about um, view across of, of of what the reality was. Certainly, Charles was very very fond of Megan. I mean, he walked her up the aisle. He saved her from an absolutely. Devastating, embarrassing episode when her own father didn't turn up. He's very, very fond of Meghan and has always been. Um, he likes the fact that she's plucky and outspoken. Um, again, the, disputed in the papers y- yesterday about whether he uh, he did cut them off financially. On that point, I don't think there's. Where would the sympathy be for a 36-year-old man who is complaining about being cut off financially, who's worth the best part of 30 million pounds, having declared
2: that he wanted to be financially independent
1: as well, and and by saying, "Well, we could have only we only could got get this house because of my mother's money." Well, you're living in a 15 million, 14 million dollar mansion, and you've got you know 50 million dollars in the bank plus. The money that you've just been signing up with Netflix so, I mean I don't buy that and I think they really need to take us they need to take a step back and realize some of the comments they're making are, not, are inflammatory to, to, the, to the public. Um, listen, There is a great deal of support I think uh, in the United States where I've been looking at some of the coverage there and some of the commentary and they have been widely applauded. Um, very, very split over here, I think. The, it depends where, you, where you're looking and who you speak to. But mm. I, um, I don't think this is the last we've heard of it. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest whether they pop up again speaking to Oprah or Gail King or somebody else, because that's their way of dealing with things now. Um, and the relationships with the rest of the family are in the gutter. Uh, and whether there is any way back for them, I, I'm not sure.
2: So I think one of the things that I've been thinking about ever since we saw those um, preview clips last week was that Oasis. I think it was an album title. This is my truth tell me yours and you know, that kind of two sides to every story before we move on. And I'm going to get Russell to put the, you know, the the interview didn't have like a fact check re- running alongside it. So there are some things that were put out there as statements or implications of this is the way that things are, which we can probably clear up in a little bit. But before um, I ask Russell that, I was just going to ask Sarah, like watching it and it's, it's quite often said that the young, the young people as I, as I speak as an aged crone, like the young people are much more sympathetic to sort of Megan and Harry and their, um, their drive to do things differently, speak their truth and all of that kind of thing. So I'd just be interested to see what you thought about it or the, you know, kind of any chat among your, your friends and sort of your generation, if you like, if there were particular moments that stood out or what the, what the mood music has been for you.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I thought, you know, everyone has their opinions on Megan, but like Russell touched on earlier, like, you know, whether you like her or both her, I think when she kind of spoke quite openly and honestly about suicide and, you know, wanting to end it all, really kind of struck a chord with me because I've had, you know, lockdown's been hard on everyone. And as she and Megan both, Meg, sorry, Megan and Harry both highlighted, lockdown for us has only been for like you know since what for a year whereas they felt permanently locked down like she couldn't see her friends she couldn't do what she wanted because it didn't like look right so how we've all been feeling that's how she's been feeling for way longer than just the past year and as someone that struggled with mental health themselves and has like plenty of friends that especially over the past like few months have really struggled it really kind of resonated with me because i just felt like do you know what at the end of the day as much as she's married prince harry and she's been an actress and she's in the public eye she is a person and yes she might not see everything yes she might not read all the comments but they still hurt and they still mean something and i think harry and hers choice to move to la and to move away from it all it was his kind of, kind of bit of saying i'm gonna save my wife and the mother of my children's life because I didn't have the opportunity when I was younger to do the same for my mum. And he always will probably look at Megan and see so many similarities between the way Megan's been treated and the way his mum was treated towards the end of her relationship with, um, Princess, Prince Charles, sorry. And I think he just kind of roost at this moment was like, do you know what? Enough's enough. I'm done with this. I love you as my family, but I love my wife more and I need to support her and I need to be there for her. And this isn't right.
2: I think it's interesting that kind of who is the rescuer and who is the rescuee? Because there, there was a really tiny moment when they were out in the chicken barn, <laughs> when, when Megan was just like, I love to rescue. And you're like, she thinks that she has rescued prince harry and prince harry equally feels like he has rescued her and their family and and taken them to america for their new life so that's all i mean i, I found the whole sort of fairy tale references towards the end a
1: little bit like it was being laid
2: laid on with a trowel by the end which i
1: couldn't i mean the, the the um what was it the little mermaid reference oh, and then yeah. she
2: lo- fell in love with the prince and then she lost her voice
1: i mean come on it was all fairly serious up to that point. I think that brought me on the ludicrous, but you know. And <laughs>
2: um, Again, before we move on to, to Russell's kind of uh, setting things straight on or clarifying on a few different issues. I also just wanted to see Sarah, what you thought of how Megan's look came over, because this clearly is going to be a, an interview that is played through the ages um, that, the images have been used as stills across you know newspaper pages all this week all over the internet so there is this is going to be as iconic an image of megan as her wedding day what how did you think it it worked for her in this context
0: megan's always kind of been one to really represent female you know, leading designers and, um, brands. And, you know, I think when she wore like the Armani dress with the Lotus flower it was quite like a statement, even though it was very plain and simple, um, I've seen a lot of articles based around like Megan's dress and the lotus flower and the comparisons between like the resilience of the flower and its ability to like flourish and grow even during like um, challenging conditions. So that was kind of Megan's way of being like, yes, I'm wearing a very simple silk black dress, With a lotus flower however this flower is representing so much of how i'm currently feeling and how i felt and this is my moment to kind of like almost flourish herself you know and kind of speak her words and kind of speak the truth and what she's kind of always been like hiding behind closed doors and now she feels like no this is my moment i'm gonna bloom with the flower and my dress and kind of say and speak my mind had an interesting message in from Ash underscore the heart of it
2: who says um, this and this was ahead of the interview she said as a makeup artist myself I thought it was an interesting choice well I think she looks beautiful and amazing if I was helping a client choose a look for what will no doubt be an emotional interview I would advise against such a black heavy eye because we all know what happens if you cry unless of course you're looking to increase the drama with running makeup I'll be interested to see if we get the money shot of a black liner soaked tear running down her cheek I wouldn't wear a white dress out in the rain and I wouldn't wear a dark eye look if I thought I might cry um, but I think Megan looked remarkably composed I think throughout it or there were a couple of moments where she looked maybe on the brink of of tearing but she was remarkably composed in what was such a sort of heavy duty interview really
1: well yeah, agree I in, agree sorry I agree interrupted her didn't she when she was about to cry oh yeah that was probably the only part of the, the interview I thought Oprah kind of missed that big moment I can't remember what it was about probably Is it about the
0: suicide?
2: It might I might be about know? Archie and the oh, race yeah. question possibly and the sort of how that made it feel I can't, I can't remember which moment yeah, it was yeah I can't it was...
1: but it was it was a big big moment um,
2: she nearly went nearly went but she didn't so she was quite sort of strong throughout it um, and what did you make of Prince Harry's black socks brown loafers combination <laughs>
0: Do you know what? I don't mind it. It doesn't offend me. I think if he's happy and comfortable wearing that and Megan's probably seen his outfit and said, yeah, babe, you look great. You can, you can go on TV to millions of people wearing that. It's fine. You know? And I think she's really had this like laid back Cali look while she's been at home compared to sort of like the more rigid body con dresses, you know, certain knee lengths and all this sort of stuff. I think she's kind of been like, do you know what you do? You You wear what you want. I'm not in control of your wardrobe, but he has worn that J Crew grey suit quite a few times before, and I think he did get a lot of stick for it. But, you know, the first time he wore it was actually with a picture of one of the first pictures we ever saw of Archie in Windsor Castle in the church. I think it's St. George's Church. Um, that was taken two days after he was born. And then he again wore it at the christening and he's worn it at multiple events before. So maybe he's taking, you know, tips from his sister-in-law the discount Duchess herself and wearing outfits <laughs> again, but also maybe he's just thinking this isn't my moment. I'm just going to wear some raggedy old suit I've had for yonks and just thought you have your moment. You wear Amani, you do what you want. This is, this is your chance. I've spoken before. I've had my moment, but this is all about you. And that's why she was like, boom, silk dress Amani. And then of course the Cartier bracelets. I can't, can't go without mentioning them. Right.
2: So Russell, Time to clarify a few things. Katinka, sorry, Katinka, Goncava says, a question, I was surprised that a title is tied to having a security team and didn't want Peter or Zara to have titles or so we were told at the time. Do they have security? Do Eugenie and Beatrice have security? Do Edward's two children have security? And also from my point of view, I would like you to explain, please, who gets to be a prince or princess?
1: Okay. Now, um, this is quite a contentious point and, and it depends depends what side of the you know, coin you land on because some will say, oh, it's just a misunderstanding, they didn't really get it. Um, you, you know, some have accused them of not being uh, particularly up with the rules of the monarchy, which is kind of strange because I imagine they have been explained to them. Now, uh, the written order, a written order of a letters patent was uh, made in 1917 by George V the queen's grandfather and he declared that only royal offspring who were in the direct line of succession could be made a prince or princess and receive titles of his and her royal highness now that means that uh, essentially the grandchildren of a living monarch it's further complicated by the fact of it um it says something along the lines of the you know the son the sons of the of the air, basically. Now, the Queen came along and designed a new letters patent to to, to make sure that the Cambridge's children were all given those titles. Um, and even with that addition, Archie would have never have become a prince until Prince Charles became king, because it would be the grandsons or the grandchildren of the monarch, which, of course, we are in very different times at the moment because um, this period we are in, we have a monarch and two or three heirs, three living heirs. So that's very, unusual. very, very unusual. So the issue is um, that unless there was another letters patent, um, he would have never have become a prince. He would have never been his royal or her royal highness. I mean, their the new girl that they're expecting, um, and I think if the if megan i mean Megan kind of touched upon this and said you know the rules weren't really the rules weren't the same as as the Cambridge's kids, and uh of course she took that uh, that to be a slight because of their children would have become the first um member of the uh, a person to be born within the royal family who would have been um mixed race but I think they've just confused themselves. And I think that is probably the most diplomatic way to put it, because this is easily debunked. Uh, Maybe their argument would have been it would have been nice for the Queen to design another letters patent and make sure that our children were on an equal footing to the Cambridge children. Well, that doesn't really um, fit with so many levels. Prince Charles has always spoken about a slimmed down monarchy. Uh, He didn't want... The, uh, the rest of the family to be treated like Andrew's children. And Andrew kicked up a stink many, many moons ago and wanted his children to be princes, princes or princesses and uh, have all the trappings of royal life without doing very much for it. Um, and I don't know whether that's necessarily served Beatrice and Eugenie well because look at how Zara Tyndall has got on with her life by not having a title and seems arguably to achieved. A lot more and have um, be a lot more popular with the with the public. Whether they care about that, I'm not sure. However, um, we were always then told by the Sussexist spokesman that it was their decision not to give their children titles, um, and now it appears that they did want those titles and they were wanting them under the banner of security. Um, but again, that that issue of security could have been solved very very easily if they had stayed as working members of the family. The, the the royal family is an institution that is paid for by the taxpayer. They may be fabulously wealthy people, but the British taxpayer picks up the bill for an awful lot of things. And the Home Office, under the British government, is responsible for those bills for keeping them safe. And when the couple, as the Sussexes did, announced that they wanted to step back, or there were even rumblings that the Queen may have been aware of, why would they have put their neck out to say, well, we need to go back to the government with the, with our cap in hand and say, well, we need a few more million to look after these this family who don't even want to be in the firm, don't necessarily want to represent the firm full-time. Um, it just doesn't work like that. And, he, and, and on that point of being sort of half in, half out, like Megan was saying, trying to suggest that they were the same as the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester or um, or Beatrice and Eugenie, Eugenie sorry. Um it just doesn't work like that because they they do not have full time protection. And Harry's point was he is still a he is still a, a target. The threat level hasn't reduced. He uh, is a former military man and um, and a se- and a senior figure within the royal family. Well, that costs an awful lot of money to make sure that those people are safe. And if you don't want to be part of it, why should we be paying for it? As Harry and Meghan have a fantastic opportunity to make an awful lot of money for themselves, I think most people will be thinking, well, you should just treat, if you want to b- become celebrities or you don't want to become member of the royal family, be like George Clooney. George Clooney's bill to keep his family uh, safe must be an absolute fortune. They have uh, you know, half a dozen guards keeping them and the family safe at all times. Well, that's the reality that Harry and Meghan are going to have to deal with. And I think that they should be paying for it themselves.
2: So I think there's a couple of things on this. Why does a baby need his own security? Because surely he's either at home, which is secured, or with the parents who are secured if they are working members of the royal family and and within the institution there. Well,
1: just to interject there, I think, you know, it's a very convenient truth, isn't it? Because I think Megan was making the point of, well, why is my son being treated differently? And we already know that she was feeling very, very ostracised by the family, claiming that they weren't protecting her, not necessarily security-wise, but protecting her for mental health, helping her through the trials and tribulations of, of becoming uh, a member of the family whilst becoming one of the most famous women in the world. So she was using that as to say, well, why are you not... You might not want to protect me, but certainly protect my son and my husband, who is also obviously still... Um, it's still a, a huge issue over threat. Um, again, it's, if they wanted to be part of the family, the, we wouldn't be having these conversations. But I think they need to take some responsibility for their own actions. And it was, I, I got that feeling, as much as um, I was quite distressed hearing a lot of the things coming from Meghan and Harry's mouths, I, I thought they really needed a bit of a dose of reality in that, in that sense of saying, um, you know, just take it on the chin. You've got loads of money you're going to earn loads of money, so then you've got to get your own private security, especially living in the United States. Or they were coming up with, we want to live in New Zealand, we want to live in Canada, South Africa, maybe the States. Well, they're, these, these protection officers, that's not just their job, that they don't have families and lives. They actually would have to be travelling with them all the time. And these people are based within the Met Police in London because they're part of the Specialist Royalty Protection Group. Um, and the appetite... To work with the couple in between Windsor and London was very, very slim, let alone traveling all over the world with them. So there was an awful lot of things to consider that they hadn't considered. And I thought that was um, a bit short-sighted of them.
2: Whereas if you applied for a job to be one of George Clooney's security guards, you'd probably get told what proportion of your time would be spent where and know what you were going into.
1: And the issue was that they just didn't have a plan. They kept, they kept you know, rallying against the system, saying, oh, the system isn't made for us, we're trying to make it work. Well, they, they didn't have a, con- a coherent plan in place. And every time, it's my understanding, that people were saying to them, if you've got a plan in place... We would make it work for you, or we try to help you to make it work. Um, but you know, how is the Home Secretary or the Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police in London supposed to sell that job? Well, you know, someone of that um, age range and experience of the job is most probably going to have a family life. So, therefore, you know, the 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 pool of people was 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 further um, diminished.
2: Um. A big, like, kind of a, something that's become totemic, but also at, at a base level is very kind of normal and slightly playground ish is who made who cry over the bridesmaids' dresses in the run up to the wedding? And I'm a little bit, probably everybody was crying because Kate was like, was she really pregnant or just recently had the baby? um You know, and uh, stress in the run up to a wedding, particularly when your dad's been a idiot and then been poorly and you know there's all of this going on and there's the world looking at you um but clearly the fact that this story emerged megan felt wronged by it and the fact that the palace wouldn't step in to say no this wasn't the case was something that i mean i think she called that particular aspect a turning point um but it's i mean russell is this sort of do we, uh, you know, are people standing by the original story about, you know, that that at some stage Kate was left in tears, or is it very much no? Okay, well, maybe we did get that wrong. And no, I mean, around? all
1: all I can say to you is anyone that I've ever spoken to about that instance that was first revealed in the Telegraph and then rev- and then followed up in other newspapers. Um, so it wasn't a tabloid story. You know, this whole. Tabloid bashing—that was a, a constant rhetoric throughout the whole interview. Um, I thought was unfair. Perhaps I would say that I work for one, but I can only speak for ourselves. and We're here to defend the industry. I've, you know, I've been on record saying that some of the things about avocados or straight out of Compton or gangster royalty were, were, and are frankly ludicrous. However, that initial story about the bridesmaid's dress fitting. Um, still stands and i think that that will be another one where you're talking about varying recollections because um nobody has ever ever heard that and i point you to the fact of uh the book finding freedom definitely didn't have that and certainly that would have been an opportunity to uh for those authors to be supplied with that detail um to have a bit of points you know point scoring Settling, whatever, uh, and it wasn't in it. And it was, it was, it, it, it painted a picture of there being a lot of emotion on the day. Obviously, weddings are very stressful. Uh, Kate had just had Louis; um, tensions were running high. But nobody I know has ever, ever heard that. So that's my truth, and that's, that's all I can say.
2: That's your understanding of the picture. <laughs> right now, on to my favourite one, actually, which is Megan saying that essentially they were already married when they got married and that they'd had a wedding in their back garden and all
0: of this stuff and how did that what did you make of that Sarah well I've seen things on Twitter and I think you sent through a link it's not if there's no one else there so it was just genuinely Archbishop was it Canterbury they had or she mentioned Archbishop Canterbury yep Megan and Harry That's not legal. You have to have two witnesses. Am I correct? And you have to be married inside in the Church of England. And they they were married in their garden.
2: Married. I'm doing the air quotes thing at this stage. So all of this is making me think is it's like Danny and Sandy in Greece. You know, the, the line from the song, then we made our true love vows and that. I'm going to have
1: to interject there. This is this is a public service announcement. I, I won't sing again singing.
2: ever. <laughs> I, I wasn't <laughs> intending to. It was an accident. But I just can't. I can't not do it. I love that song. I'm to being, from I'm looking, I am looking forward to being. <laughs> uh, I am looking forward to being back at a wedding disco where we're all absolutely oh, smashed all? and hammering that out on the dance floor. But there we go. I just, but I just I just think you know it's very sweet and clearly that was a special moment and very private. And I can understand why that. that. That is the picture that they've got up on their wall, rather than the pictures that they see in the media all the time from their from their wedding, which have an entirely different thing. You know, in the the picture that I've got up in my bedroom from my wedding day is one where it's just me and my husband when we went off on a little drive down to the point and had some lovely pictures taken. And it's sort of you know, it is a quiet moment, it's an intimate moment, and I can I can understand that they wanted to have that ahead of this big spectacle but I think lots of the stuff that she said about her wedding generally and the sort of like out of body experience or you know we wanted something that was just for us and this was for the world I think that's probably something that lots of brides and grooms feel that at some stage in the world it's like oh my goodness this is just such a big palaver we should just none of this stuff really matters we or, should but ditch
1: these guys ditch yes, these guys let's and go do to our Vegas. Own thing. exactly yeah I, I you know I I thought that again. The turn of language was probably unfortunate, wasn't it? I mean, I had two weddings, and I treat the non-legal one as the wedding. So, the, the, as in, that was, and it was kind of the reverse. But I get what she means. It was it to her that was them getting married. It doesn't matter whether it was the legal part or it wasn't inside. That was them getting married. So, I just think, as as a lot of people said. This week, there are more important things to be worrying about. Um, and perhaps that's what the Queen thought as well. Not pouring petrol on the fire, perhaps.
2: So, I mean, I think, you know, I think it's perfectly sweet. I just think it's a bit off to call it like we were. You, you cannot say as we were already married or we'd already
1: got married. Yeah, but the, in her mind, they had. I, I don't have I don't have an issue with this because she it was a spectacle. I mean, some people are saying, well, why the point? What, what the hell was the point of doing the big
0: extravagant amazing?"
1: Yeah, but it was pretty cool. It was a great day, wasn't it? And it was. Everyone loved it. Millions of people around the world. It probably did the monarchy a bigger favour than they've had in years. Having well a big show right?
2: and then it's all turned to ashes oh, and it reminds yeah. it reminds me a lot of the of the princess diana documentary and um the conversation i had with the sort of the creator of that a few episodes and half, half a lifetime ago um and where she, diana had sort of said looking back on the wedding it was like the worst day of her life essentially and that was clearly because her marriage was never destined to last there were you know there were problems as for them as a couple from the very start which is not the sense that you get from harry and Meghan, but the the sort of you know being that part of royal life that was kind of the the high point for them in some ways but possibly things had already gone a little bit wrong um so there were some sweet moments in there as well we find out they're going to have a baby girl a little sister for archie although some people again are sort of like the they want privacy and then they're announcing like their their baby's gender before the baby's arrived out on the telly to everybody and i think you know it does go back to that question of they want to control their narrative about what they share with whom and when fine that's how they want to play it um and then we saw the very cute black and white footage of Archie playing on the beach with like the, you know, the thing for throwing the balls for the dog. Um, and you know, it has been very clear. They've used, you know, they've used black and white a lot always. And in fact, there was that other picture that they, uh, released via Miss and Harriman as well of, um, Harry and Meghan in the garden as part of their sort of baby bump photo shoot with um, big a big kutch hug for for Archie, but you couldn't see his face. So they are clearly intent on protecting and controlling his privacy and limiting quite how much is out there. But and and the kind of the discussions that Meghan highlighted in the interview about um, someone from the royal family questioning what colour his skin would be then you wonder whether there is an additional element to this sort of choice of using black and white photography and the sort of the stylized type image they did for their Christmas card which sort of hides that kind of thing so before we finish I want to talk about the sort of I guess the sort of the legacy of it and where we go from here Because so in the run up to it, I was very much of the mind of, I don't think this is going to change people's minds. You either think like Harry and Meghan have done the right thing, good on them for escaping. It was probably pretty horrible. Um, They're better off out of it. Or you're thinking, Harry and Meghan, they've let down the Queen. Why have they gone away? Now they've made their bed and they can lie in it, but let's let the Royal family get on with their job. So I I was thinking like, has... The interview, given the sort of shocking level of, you know, particularly the sort of the suicide and the race question that were raised, will that have changed people's minds? Um, and I think probably this is something I will put up on a, a poll on the Instagram, because I think, I don't think it will necessarily have changed people's minds from one side to the other. I think it will potentially for Megan and Har- for people who are already on Meghan and Harry's side, I think it will have strengthened and hardened up that view. For people who were previously sort of on the royal, more on the royal family side of things, I think it means they will be prepared to give the royal family the benefit of the doubt that they will. And I think, prob- I think probably this is how this is probably me channeling how I feel, and, and assuming that everybody else is going to feel the same thing. I think I'm prepared to give them the benefits of the doubt that they made some horrendous errors but didn't mean to, and that they should have a chance to fix this. Um, so I think that that's kind of how I feel about things. Do you think it will have changed people's minds, Russell?
1: I think if the there are questions to be asked of the royal family, um, potentially their attitudes, the the way that they treat family members. Um Two very very vulnerable family members, and I think that it's a generational thing, as well as a bit, as well as um, an issue between US and UK now. But there are there are generational shifts happening across the world, not only in this country, that archaic institutions like the royal family will need to get on board with to stay relevant. You've already got uh, reports overnight that new polls in Australia, sixty two percent. Are um are in favor of a republic. I'm I'm not too sure whether I mean that seems incredibly large. I'm not too sure, but you know, there may be a groundswell of um of change in that sense. Um and do, does a monarchy fit in with modern Britain or a modern world? I'm not sure whether, you know, this this um a lot of people may may, may think. But it isn't. And that's a that's a very, very strange scenario to be, because as much as, um, you know, the younger generation have really sort of dragged the monarchy into the 21st century. This is this is a crisis that is the worst in decades, regardless of the Queen's statement released yesterday, which, as I've said, killed them with kindness about let let the door open um not only for them, but also for a challenge of their version of events, uh, it's not going to go away, and people will be monitoring it very, very closely. Um, and in the court of celebrity, which matters to, to a lot more people than the monarchy, um, maybe maybe Meghan and Harry will, uh, will win the day. I think that it's it's just all over the place at the moment and, and and at its base it's a very very sad situation and we've witnessed the disintegration of a family before our eyes whether that will completely I think people are pretty entrenched aren't they in their view um, I haven't really met many people that have changed their opinion after watching that either way so um, so I guess we'll we'll just wait and see Cliffhanger um,
0: do you think it will have changed people's minds Sarah? I do know. I feel like you either love or you aren't really that bothered by the royal family at all. I think my fascination kind of came with the uh, William and Kate era. And then obviously then you kind of watched Harry go through his ups and downs of somewhat a growing phase of things we won't mention, Nazi uniforms. But he kind of become like, you know, a whole new man and you've seen that flourish through. But the amount of people on my Instagram alone championing um, Megan for just speaking her mind speaking the truth I think there'll be a whole new flourish of royal supporters but more team Megan and Harry I know we're not supposed to pit them against each other but I feel like you know even though William and Kate are doing incredible things for charities and kind of their Zoom calls and keeping up to, in touch with people I think even though Megan and Harry have their own projects going on, on the sideline I think many more people will kind of take Megan seriously, and almost want to champion her for just speaking her mind and being quite honest and the truth. So on the um, on the polling, her truth. Was, her truth. Yeah, sorry, her truth. No, and
1: it is easily done because, and I, I think that is that is a big her big issue because because um, a lot of people will will just believe wholeheartedly. Take it as gospel. It. Well, of course. And and that's really difficult, isn't it? Because the, the old adage of the royal family is never complain, never explain. And why did we need to hear, some will say, why did we need to hear um, the story about Kate making her cry? They could have, she could have easily said that story and said that it wasn't it was exactly it was different to how it was described and but by bringing Kate into the story is quite controversial, and she knows full well that the Duchess of Cambridge will not be able to respond They will choose not to respond to that allegation, and they also know full well that i don't that the queen wouldn't, or the family wouldn't respond to many of the allegations that they, that they put forward, um, certainly about the, the mental health aspects has opened up a whole can of worms. And maybe we should be hearing about this publicly, but yeah, I just, I find, I find that, that concept of it, which I, why I I liked the fact that Oprah Winfrey said your truth. And as you said earlier, that there are three sides to every story. Um, but a, but a lot of people. I, I mean, look at the American press this week. It's been wildly. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pro Sussex. Pro Sussex. And I, I think a lot of the sort of um, reasoning has gone out the window. But then if you look at ours as well, I think I think you know the mirror has been really balanced today. Especially we've spoke, we've led on the Queen's sadness, whilst also laying in the. Um, the essence of what the Queen said about recollections. Whereas you look at the Mail and other papers, which, which again, maybe what you would presume that they'll be like this, but strip them of their titles, polls declare that, you know, everyone hates the Sussexes. Well, do they? I mean, I think that people are being a bit more nuanced. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've been up to too long. No,
2: well, I, think, I think it's a. So where where do we go from here? Can the mantra, can the palace mantra of never complain, never explain, continue in the twenty first century? Um, I know that part of the part of the issue is that there are, you know, clearly there are so many stories now, and sometimes the argument is you don't want to get into. Running commentary on this, that, or the other, and you don't want to have to spend all of your time saying yes or no to everything. But should they be a bit more upfront about things and have fewer sort of insider source blah blah blah, and actually, actually, kind of just be a bit more
1: open about stuff? Or does that take away the mystery
2: of the monarchy? Takes away the mystery,
1: but I think that you know we're all all forgetting. Like, what this happens in sports journalism, it happens in political journalism, it happens in every every facet of the media. We celebrity. don't need to have celebrity. You know, this is always working with agents or f- football agents or celebrity agents. There are, there are always sources. And this is what makes um, our job so interesting, but also why the, you know, we, it's, it's dealt with on the, on the, on the um, the majority of times by professional people. We are dedicated to the craft of actually telling truthful stories and dealing with people who don't peddle falsehoods. Now, the the, the problem for the for Palace is, why would they comment on every story? Why would the Diane Downing Street comment on every story? It, do, it doesn't work like that. Um, so I don't think there'll be a wholesale change of how the media operation is operated um, by Buckingham Palace. I think... Uh, i you know i i know i don't i don't, no, I don't, I don't think it, i don't think it will change i think that there will have to be internal changes and that will be uh, part of you know an hr department maybe set up i mean people who were way before me in this game told you know there were huge huge changes after or after diana came in and after her death as well um there the whole sort of machine changed around palace communications and maybe that will need to be certainly adapted and maybe there are sort of internal processes will have to be adapted but um i i I think that we're not going to see this tit for tat explosion of words within within the public sphere because i just don't think it will benefit anyone
2: even if there continues to be a sort of a, a tat 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 periodically from the other side of the atlantic
1: well i mean you know as one person put it to me, and I, I disagreed with them because I did think it was a war of words, certainly um, with, with the bullying allegations, then the palace statement, with the public inquiry being launched, essentially, then the, the the Oprah Winfrey interview, and now this. I mean, that it's it's a war of words. But someone was saying, well, how is it a war when there are only one side doing all the heavy lifting, um, i.e. the Sussexes? Uh so uh, I I don't I, I think I think they will they've tried to take the wind out of everyone's sails, the palace, by releasing this statement. Just one other point which was being mentioned to me quite a lot on um Instagram and Twitter. Um I I don't know what on earth the holiday parties are. What? Because I was you know, Megan said all the all the media are being invited to, to holiday parties by the palace. <laughs> We're being wined and dined like a Henry VIII banquet. Well, I, I, I can, uh, I can exclusively reveal that I am refuting the allegations that I have been wined and dined, eating hog roast and swigging champagne by the su- palace,
2: surviving on flapjacks and decaf tea at home.
1: <laughs> I, am, I know what an existence it's ridiculous. And uh, no, it, I think again, is- Megan probably got a bit confused. And sometimes there are receptions, like you would have the White House Correspondents' Dinner, or you may have a drinks reception. At the ambassador's house while we're still working nobody's lording it up like a yeah. Lord or roy whatever you know it's just ridiculous event.
0: <laughs> yeah it's exactly a, like,
1: exactly it's an
2: it's an occasional thing that's out yeah, of the norm no than in, a standard it's not
1: like if you come to this drinks reception you better write kind stuff about us because i'm sure on the whole um like political journalists Um, all good royal correspondents are operating without fear or favour and um, and I think we've lost a bit of the a bit of um, you know the understanding of that unfortunately
0: I just want to know if you know the Queen, Prince Philip, Charles, Camilla, Kate and Will's were all watching it like an episode of Gogglebox like the Malone family had
2: some
0: fondant fancies some rich teas you know, maybe a foot of a mason hamper on the go. Just, just all, like, so just good. having a chat about it. Oh, God. Behind the sofa, I think, oh, they would have been watching it from.
2: Do you... Episode, Russell, I know that on originally on Sunday night, it was like, no, the Queen won't be watching it. She'll get a briefing at breakfast. After all, mm. exploded, Do you think they... Do you think some of the royal family will have watched it on Monday night? Yes. Or...
1: Yes, I imagine they will have done. I mean, the Queen... It was reported that the Queen was... Um, had taken the decision not to watch it. Um, and, you know, we, we, we'd been, out last week that she was going to receive a breakfast briefing. I did that story on Saturday. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, she has people to do that for her. And no, I, no doubt she may have watched the, uh, a, a highlight reel because not all of it may have been of, um, of complete interest. Undoubtedly, people have watched it and they're, I think they'd be telling Paul Keys if they said that they weren't going to. It's a it's a huge moment for the uh, for the history for the recent history of the royal family. There were allegations about members of the royal family in it, and then other worrying um, claims that they need to address um, internally. So uh, again, we're, we're going to be we're going to be talking about it for a while. I, don't, I think you know, it has died down a little bit
0: it was like when Megan and Harry kind of spoke about they'd seen the crown and especially season four, which is quite one for, I guess, Harry in the fact that it features heavily on his mother and how his father and they met and the birth of yeah. him and his brother.
1: I mean, and, they, and you know, they did talk about the crown, but it's, they can't talk objectively about Netflix show. They, can't, they no. just can't because they're, they're paymasters now. So they aren't going to put the boot in, are they? So, um, it is what it is, I suppose. I, I'm not sure too sure that will have gone down too well in the Palace, but I think everyone needs to be a bit realistic by thinking that they're, they're, they're taking sack loads of cash from Netflix, so they're not going to be standing on a platform criticising them, are they?
2: Do you think that yesterday's statement draws a line under it for the Palace and they will be, a- they will be able to, to not comment further? Or do you think they will have to, at some stage, you know say something else or have someone do a mea culpa i i asked i asked a stupid question because i didn't i didn't realize it was offensive i was just you know i was curious or whatever like the i mean
1: nobody's going to do that unless we know the full context of it and then people can make their own decisions because to 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 do that will be absolutely catastrophic for, for the individual and potentially the institution um i think that the palace would be naive to think this is the end of it i mean it's 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 a pretty explosive interview uh over 2 hours of you know really saying some serious serious things um you know, palace said yesterday that they were going not be not commenting further on this i think we'll we'll definitely see some more stories around palace attitudes um in the coming weeks and I would presume that Harry and Meghan will be prepared to speak publicly once again, whether it's to Oprah or whoever, if they do not feel that their grievances are being listened to. And the other argument is, why should they care anymore? They've left. But they obviously felt the need to air these, these grievances in public. And if the, the Queen says they're going to be dealt with privately as a family, if they don't get the answers or the... Um, apologies if that's what they're looking for if they don't get that then then maybe they will go public once again and then we'll be talking about it all over again
2: i know and i was i was also thinking like this interview is exactly why we have continued to carry uh, to cover harry and Meghan even since they left left the royal family because what they do has a huge impact on the on Britain and the future of the monarchy and everything to do with that, because you know the, the people who will be cheering loudest this week are those who campaign for Britain to become a republic. You know the the there was always going to be a big enough challenge in the future when the Queen is no longer the Queen and Prince Charles presumably accedes to the throne. He doesn't he doesn't have the same level of popular sort of support and understanding as the queen and uh, you know it's sort of said in australia that people in australia who support the mo- who support the monarchy they are elizabethans more than monarchists they support the queen more than they support the institution so there's a challenge overseas in places where the, the queen is currently head of state and then there is there is a challenge at home as to how that will be and how things how things changed and how everything lands after harry and Meghan's absolutely explosive discussion will be will be interesting to see i mean arguably the simplest way for the royal family to comment on this further will be if they do manage to straighten things out with harry and Meghan. harry and Meghan are happier and contenter with their answers and um are able to sort of almost harry and harry and Meghan are the ones who are um Saying you know things are much things are much better now. We've managed to heal those relationships, and and on we go. But we we will be watching it eagerly as ever. I mean, I know I've been saying this for weeks, but maybe things will calm down this week, and then next week I can share one of our nice interviews that we've done with some very special guests. Because we probably all just need to to calm down a bit, and that Russell might be hibernating by then anyway. I would imagine because he's he'll have been working for days. One good question in from the gallery from Dan Jackson. Is Prince Harry yeah. still going to be coming for the unveiling yeah. of the Diana statue? And how do we think all that will go down? Because obviously, you know, the public engagements are pretty awkward Whoa. anyway for the royal family at the moment after Prince Charles's little awkward chuckle when he was asked about how things had gone this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great, great question, Dan. And I mean, on the one hand, how on earth can Harry stand next, shoulder to shoulder next to his brother when he's just been trashing the family for two hours? And... Uh, and, so, and, and Meghan's made some pretty damning allegations about um, his wife or his brother-in-law. His sister-in-law, sorry. I think it's pretty, pretty difficult, isn't it? I mean, Harry has said that he will make every effort to get back to, um, to, the, to the UK for this unveiling of the statue. Um, whether that happens, I mean, Meghan said that she is due in the summer, didn't she? So maybe she's due in June. If the baby is born in, in that month, would Harry leave her after two, three, four weeks? Probably not. Not sure. Um, and obviously, we don't know whether the issue of uh, coronavirus is still going to be pretty big. So, mm. I don't know. Should we have a bet?
2: Oh, dangerous game.
1: I bet he will want to go, but will not go because of the baby. That's what I reckon.
2: Or oh, that will be the public reason anyway. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. Handy. Yeah, some, something like that, yeah. Uh, uh, but again, if he doesn't go, then it will be made, it'll be a massive, massive deal. Maybe he will come to, to uh, and just put it on for the cameras. Um it's not, it's not that long away, is it? We're in March, April, May, June. Three months. Three and a half months, so, you know.
2: Interesting. Uh, a, a week
1: is a long time in politics. Oh, Royal. So,
2: do mean is anything else going to happen, or are they all just going to hibernate and be sorting out this this chaos for the next week?
1: Well, are I hope can... they just just hibernate for at least a week. I need a week off. This is oh just madness. <laughs> but I don't know. We have, there's nothing on the books at the moment. Um, there is no big events. I don't think we're going to be hearing any more statements. You know, there might be certain we might get an indication in a few weeks about how initial conversations have have gone so um yeah and obviously prince philip is in hospital isn't he so that will be the main the the, the family's attentions are very very focused on prince philip getting better and we all wish him well because he's he's entering his fourth week in hospital now and uh, and no doubt um you know people want to see him back back on his feet
2: well as your expert said last week though hopefully that you know his transfer to st barts the, the heart specialist place was a was a good sign in him having had the operation and recuperating is also hopefully a good sign so fingers crossed for a speedy recovery both for prince philip and for relations within the family as they try to sort out a right royal mess and crisis. Um who knows what we'll be talking about next week but we will be bringing you something. Sarah and Russell thank you very much for joining us this week and sharing your thoughts on the big interview. Make sure you're following Russell on Twitter at @RJMyers for all of the royal latest and if you haven't already then it is well worth signing up for our royal newsletter at mirror.co.uk forward slash email so a daily dose of all of the headlines to keep you up to speed i think we might have sent out a few extras this week just because there has been so much going on so well we'll be back next week stay safe stay well and until next time
1: save the queen